This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Last time I was here, just a few weeks ago, we were kind of wrapping up the I Am series, right? And Jesus saying, I am. And we've transitioned now into this you are piece of the, of the series. And today we're talking about you are a friend of God. <clears throat> and so that got me thinking about different kind of friendships. I'm a little bit of a history nerd, you know. So I was thinking about some classics, you know, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, right? Friends to frenemy to friend, yeah, if you know anything about uh, those historical figures. I was also thinking about J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, you know, some classics, Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia. I was also thinking a little Calvin and Hobbes, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the most classic, Buzz Lightyear and Woody, right? You've got a friend in me. I'll spare you. I will not sing it this morning. But classic examples of friendship. And that got me kind of just thinking about about just friendship in general, right? And so before we even jump into this, just a a little side note or a, a disclaimer that when we're talking about friendship, obviously what we're talking about is a relationship. So you cannot have a friendship with God if you are not in relationship with God. In fact, Romans 5 makes it really, really clear that before we are in Christ, if we've not accepted Christ's work on our behalf by faith, then we are actually enemies of God. And so we just need to make sure we're thinking about that correctly as we jump into this today in that you cannot be friends with God if you have not come to Christ in submission and in faith and uh, allowed yourself to be justified by the work that he has done on our behalf. So I just wouldn't want there to be any confusion to say, well, I can be a friend of God even if I haven't like submitted to God, because that obviously would mean that we're not in relationship, and friendship and relationship are key, right? We're all on the same, same starting page. That puts us all like in the starting block at the same place, location. Not that I'm a runner. I'm totally pretending. I actually don't even know that that was like the right terminology, but I feel like I watched the Olympics, so now I feel like I know, but... <clears throat> I was a javelin thrower in high school, like run 10 feet, chuck a stick. I can do that. Lap and lap and lap. That's crazy. I don't know why people would do that, Um, but they do. I actually almost speared um, a hurdler once when I was learning to throw javelin. Arm went went the wrong way. He's fine. He's fine. Uh, But I diverge. So we're talking about friendship with God this morning. We're going to find ourselves in the book of John, chapter 15 where Jesus is going to make it very clear to his disciples what it looks like to be a friend of his. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So Jesus kind of spells it out for his disciples there, and I look forward to kind of unpacking this uh, passage with you, and I think the first thing that we see clearly is that uh, friendship with God requires obedience. 
everyone's favorite subject. Yes? Yes. Because this is not a friendship among equals. And we need to keep that in mind. Jesus is very clear here that says, if you obey my commands, then you are my friend. And, you know, I think a lot of times there's some confusion about that because we want to say, well, God loves me, so I can live however I want to live, and I can do whatever I want to do or think whatever I want to think, and, and God and I, we're cool, we're good. But Jesus here very clearly says that, no, you are my friend if you obey what I've commanded. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because, you know, I'm sure over in kids' ministry, they talk about obedience quite a bit, right? Because, I mean, we, we get to a certain age, if we're being honest. We don't need to name that age. I mean, we don't need to do that. But we get to a certain point where, you know, we're driving ourselves and we're doing things and we're working and we make our money and we make our choices. And all of a sudden, we start to live in a very autonomous way. Well, don't tell me what to do. I'm a grown-up, Right? My mother says I was the worst offender of this between ages 17 and 18. I don't know. Take it for what you will. Right? But this idea of obedience, we think of it as like a kind of a, something we do with children. Children have to learn to be obedient. And we think, I think it sometimes, that we no longer have to wrestle with what it means to be obedient to Christ. But our entire lives, we are growing in obedience to the will of God right? Anybody have a parent in here that has taken their spiritual mandate of discipline seriously? Yeah? I did. I had parents that at times I thought they thought it was their spiritual gifting. I grew up in a very strict household. But what's interesting is that as I grew, and I did not appreciate the discipline in the moment. I, I know this will shock you, but I was a rather sassy child, and I did not appreciate those moments of correction and say to my parents, oh, mother and father, thank you for disciplining me. Thank you for loving enough to correct me. No, no, they usually got a huff and an eye roll, which then immediately followed more discipline and correction. But as we grow in life, we realize that discipline is a good thing. But I have to caution us as adults to think that we're past that, right? We're not past that. We have to grow in our obedience <clears throat> to the Lord. And in fact, that parent-child is probably a good picture uh, to think about. There comes a point in your relationship with a child, or if you are the child with your, with your mom or dad, where it is clearly a parent relationship, but as you grow in obedience and as you grow in relationship with them and you just grow in your own understanding, you come to a place where there's also an element of friendship there, right? My mom and I, I would say, are BFFs. And she even knows what that means now, which is impressive. But we work at the same school. And so <clears throat> it's one of our favorite things to do to just, you know, make kids squirm, and so we will put them on the spot, and we'll be like, who's the favorite Boyd? Who's your favorite? And they're like, ah, <laughs> you know, and we make them feel really uncomfortable, and for some reason, that brings our hearts delight. So I don't know, we probably need to grow more, too. But this idea of, of friendship and relationship, and in fact, it's not that John here is saying 
that you're no longer ever going to be a servant. In fact, we're going to hear uh, in a, in a, even later in that chapter, he goes on to still call us servants. But there's this other dynamic that we're seeing at play that John is emphasizing in this friendship role that requires our obedience. And that leads specifically to kind of this next portion here where friendship with God requires obedience specifically to his word, to his word. And while while a servant doesn't know uh, the master's business, so to speak, John is comparing and saying, but as a friend, you know the business of the father because I have told you the business of the father. And so it is knowing the word of God that makes us uh, deep in our friendship with him. So we shouldn't think of it as, as that we're not servants, but I think the best way to phrase this would be, I'm not just a servant of God, I am also a friend. There's, a, there's another dynamic, another lesson. And so if we, if we were to examine scripture, I think we see another helpful example of this, because there was a, there was a man who was called a friend of God, and that was Abraham. So James tells us that Abraham was called a friend of God. And if we were going to go look at the context of that, uh, we would go to Genesis, and we would see that the reason Abraham is called a friend of God is because God spoke to Abraham. So we have this past example, right? And then if we were to put ourselves in the present tense, of our passage where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he is saying, you are my friends because I have made known to you all the things. And in fact, in this same chapter of John, basically Jesus is saying, hey, look, my words have to remain in you. And there's the, that, that is a defining element of this friendship. And then we fast forward because we see that as Jesus spoke to his disciples, God's word still also speaks to us. Second Timothy tells us this. So Second Timothy actually says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now think about those words, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training. Those are all words that have to do with developing discipline and obedience in our lives. So that doesn't just stay in kids' ministry. That doesn't just stay a part of childhood. But what is Scripture saying? That Scripture helps us who are in Christ, to grow in our obedience to God. So so being in Christ, being a friend of Christ, is bringing our life into alignment and our thinking into alignment with his word. It's what he has called us to to know him. In fact, I love this phrase. I, I don't know who said it, but I, uh, Facebook reminded me that I posted it uh, a while ago, and it says this. It says, we need less God told me and more it is written. 
Now think about that. There's a subtle difference there. Because a lot of times we want these like aha moments. If God would just audibly speak, if God would write it in the sky, then I would do the thing. In fact, I work with teenagers that are kind of just in that transition period of getting ready to make some of their biggest decisions in life, like where to go to school and and what they're going to do and and all of these things. And they can be so anxious sometimes about like, I don't want to be outside the will of God or like, how do I know what God wants me to do? And the reality is just get into his word. Just get into his word. Know him. This is how we know God. We walk with him and we know his word. And then we live life in the direction of the talents, interests, abilities, and passions he's given us with the humility to say, God, at any point you can interrupt my plans for your plans and I'll do it your way. And that is walking with Jesus, right? And the more we know him, the easier it is to walk with him. In fact, it's kind of funny because my best friend works at Gateway. Her name is Shelly. She's the children's pastor. So she's over teaching all your kids about obedience, so you should thank her later, okay? But if you were to hear Shelly and I, we don't really hear it. Like this, we recognize this now, it's not surprising to us, but people will always tell us that we sound alike, that we talk alike, that we joke alike. A lot of times we even dress alike. And so this funny little thing happens where every time I'm here and I'm speaking, someone will come up to her and say at a later time, hey, great job on Sunday. And she's gotten to the point where she will just say, thank you. And I'm not okay with that, right? But the reality is because I've known Shelly for, well, longer than she would probably want me to put a number two on a stage. But we have, we have known each other. We have lived with each other as roommates. We, we, like, there is a depth of relationship. And so it is easy to see me reflected in Shelly and Shelly reflected in me. And that's the same reality of depth of relationship and friendship that we are called to. But it's not a one-sided thing. And it's not an equal thing when it comes to God. He invites us into a way of knowing him that requires spending time in his word, being aligned with his word, um, and walking a a process of living that, that continually grows in knowing him and being obedient to him. And the purpose of all of this flows nicely together. He says, you, you've, friendship with God requires obedience to the word of God so that we may bear fruit. So that we may bear fruit. Verse 16 of our passage says, I appointed you to go bear fruit. So we see that knowing God through his word and being obedient to what his word says should result in kingdom productivity. Now, I love this, this verse when it says, not just any kind of fruit are you going to bear, but you're going to bear lasting fruit. Have you purchased fruit recently? Now, I've, I've just recently ended summer vacation as a teacher and gone back to school. So I know that you can only sympathize with me so much because teachers, we take a lot of angst over summer break sometimes. That's fine. It's fine. I can deal with your bitterness, okay? 
But the first year back to school, the first month back to school, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a whiplash situation. But you know what? The ministry of Fred Meyer makes your life a little easy. You can just order your groceries online and go pick them up. You don't even have to go in the store. And I was like, this is so fabulous. This is great. I'm going to do this until the first time I brought, bought produce. And I got home and it was like a five-year-old had juggled with my fruit and then put it all in the bag. And I was like, what is this? This avocado, I open it up and I'm like, what? I never would have picked this avocado, right? Or can I share one other woe with you? I'm, I'm a single gal, I'm a single individual and well, that's rough and you can all feel bad for me. Wait till I tell you this next piece. As a, as a single person, have you ever bought a bag of clementines? There's like 40 of them. I can't eat 40 clementines before they go bad. So I'm like taking them to school. I'm like, here, you have an orange. You have an orange. You need an orange? Hey, have an orange, right? Because I can't consume that many clementines before they go bad. But see, that is not the fruit that Jesus is talking about. Because in this analogy, he makes sure to be clear and he says, you will bear fruit that will last. And that is the fruit of salvation. That is people's souls coming into the kingdom of God through relationship and faith in, in Jesus. So our friendship is not just so that we can kick back like we know a celebrity. Our friendship with Jesus comes through knowing him and being molded by his word and living it out in a way that produces salvation in others when they come to see Jesus and the Holy Spirit draws them to God as well, as only he can do. And you know, we're going to, okay, so everybody mentally, we're just going to press pause for a moment on our current conversation because there's a part in verse 16 that we just have to deal with because it's there and it doesn't really apply to what we're saying, but it's there and so we have to, we have to like understand it, right? Because I'm a Bible teacher and I just can't ignore it. I can't do it. Tom, I can't do it. I'm sorry. So here we go. What is this business about having fruit that will last and that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. We just, we gotta, we gotta deal with that, right? Because what friendship with God does not mean, and what we have to be careful to not misunderstand about that part of our passage, is that it does not mean that if we're friends with God, we get whatever we want. It does not mean that. Now, it's tempting to want to divide that verse in half and just focus on the getting what you ask for. But we have to keep it in context of not only the verse, but the passage. And the context is that when you are so aligned with the will of God and you are friends with God and you are bearing fruit for the kingdom, that his priority is your priority and your will is aligned with his will, that then what you are asking for is also in line with the will of God. And of course, it is always God's heart to grant the things that are in his will. Now that does not mean that we don't bring every need to the Father right? But this guaranteed answer is, is not the context of bringing needs. That's not what this passage is about. 
This passage is about abiding in, remaining in, being one with the will of the Father, being in, 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 in his word and aligned with his will. And that's where this guarantee comes. In fact, I love how BibleRef.com puts this. And I use BibleRef.com because I want you to see it. I want you to know it because if you've ever got a Bible question, it's an excellent online free resource. So here's what BibleRef.com says about our passage. Jesus is echoing comments he made earlier regarding fruit abiding in him and the way God answers prayer. Production of spiritual fruit is a primary sign that someone is vitally connected to the true vine. God's intent is that we abide in Christ, embracing and deeply engaging in the work to which he has called us. When the word of God abides in us and drives our thoughts and desires, it aligns our will with the will of God. God's prayers are always and only answered in accordance with his will. Only when we ask his will is it guaranteed to come to pass. Christians are only truly praying in the name of Jesus when those prayers are offered in total submission to his sovereign will. So being a friend of God does not mean I can pray for whatever I want and he promises to give it to me. Whether that's a Lamborghini or at this point a husband, which both seem, seem equally as improbable at the moment in my life. And ladies, you know Hallmark Christmas season is already starting to start even though it's only October. So pray for me, okay? But it reminds me also of the verse in Psalm, Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How often do we come to this verse as if, well, I better figure out how to delight the Lord so I can get what I want. And that's completely backwards. If I am truly delighting in the Lord, or abiding, as John would say, then he is my desire. And his will is my will. And those prayers become different because I recognize that this is all temporary. And what matters is eternal. And so yes, I bring every need as a child to my father and he welcomes that. But the prayers that have this kind of guarantee are the prayers that align with his purpose and his will, which is what the Holy Spirit works in us as we abide in him and are invited into friendship with him. Do we see the difference? So important that we, that we grab that. Okay, now press play on our main point. So friendship with God requires obedience. That obedience is to his word so that we may bear fruit. I'd say it's almost mathematical, but I hate math and I just can't go there. But do we see the, we see the progression so as we think about kind of how do we apply this and kind of close out this thought this morning, I think John gives us a hint, not even a hint. He kind of spells it out in what Jesus said. Because the very last portion of our passage says this, this is my command, love each other. Okay, so friend of God, obedient to his command to, to bear fruit, Love each other. And I think we need to note that that is specifically being said to the family of God. 
He's talking to his disciples. In fact, if we have any doubt of that, we could just back up a couple chapters, John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I think it is fitting for us to sit in that for a moment. Because I don't know about you. I'm 37. And I would say the last two years are the most divisive that I have ever experienced in my, in my time frame of living. Most division. Ugly. And I wish I could say that that wasn't happening in the church or from the church. But I don't know that that is a fair grade for us to give ourselves. Love each other. That's my command. You who are my friends, you who will be obedient to my word, those of you who I've chosen to bear fruit, love one another. So even those I disagree with, I mean, despite the fact that they're wrong, and that I've tried to bring clarity, and they're still wrong? They're choosing to be wrong? Now, I'm a pretty opinionated person. That might not surprise you too much about me. So I feel like on a daily basis, I have an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to help me love people who are wrong. (laughs) Right? Love those who are rude and unloving to us, not gracious, unkind, love them. Love in a way that Christ was getting ready to display to his disciples. I mean, just a few chapters down the road, Jesus is gonna be obedient to the point of death. Why? Because of his love. How did he show that love through sacrifice? Submission, service, man, what humility would be required of us to love in a way that would bear fruit. I don't know about you, but I know that when I point the mirror at myself, it is very easy to find selfishness and a stubborn spirit. And may God help me with that. May he help all of us, whatever our struggle is, wherever we struggle to do that. May the Holy Spirit, as we abide in him, in his word, help us to be people that display the same humility and mindset of Christ who loved in obedience and sacrifice. I mean, let's just talk about sacrifice for a minute. We're talking about sacrifice to the point of death. I often don't even want to sacrifice to the point of discomfort. I don't know about you. I'll sacrifice when it's easy. I'll love the people who I want to love. But man, this is a challenging word. Friend of God. Friend of God. Invited in. 
May we be people who in obedience to his word, to who he is, to the example that he set, may we endeavor to be surrendered to the same capacity by the help of the Holy Spirit so that we might bear fruit in our love. Amen? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you set the example, that God, you don't just tell us to go do something, but Lord, you stepped into our story. You put on flesh in order to, in obedience and humility and sacrifice, save us. And so God, we recognize that. We, we say thank you for that. And God, would you help us be people who, because of our relationship with you, would, would we abide in your word? God, would we allow it to take root? God, would you, would you help us? Holy Spirit, would you help us be people who love like you? Because God, there is a world that is hurting and broken and God, they do not need to see us. They do not need our opinions, but God, they need us to show them you. Would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen.